Talk, where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is a Cotton Bowl Victory Monday here on the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve Jones will be there soon in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street at Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And today's show, as every Monday, is brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance. Visit them at their office on Market Street in Sunbury or go to purdyinsurance.com. And we got a big show today. What a weekend. What a great football weekend it was. Penn State, of course, the big win over over Memphis, 53-39. to And the Cotton Bowl is heard here on WKOK. We'll have full recap coming up, including college football insider for stadium Brett McMurphy. Everyone remembers him from ESP, his ESPN days, and he is com- coming on the show today at 335 to recap what was a really good college football weekend. We'll recap both playoff games, Penn State's, Big win against Memphis and other topics coming up in college football as we count down now to the national championship game on January 13th as LSU will take on Clemson. And lots to talk about with LSU, of course, with Joe Burrow, too, and we'll we'll get into that. But getting back to Penn State, you mentioned Journey Brown with a terrific game he had with a record 202 yards rushing and the big game he had. And overall, it wasn't a great start for Penn State defensively. Everyone knew going into this game, they had to be able to contain the edge and not let Memphis get to the edge because that was probably where a lot of their athleticism was, was if you let them get to the outside, there was going to be some trouble. Penn State was clearly bigger up front, both sides of the ball. They showed that in the way they were able to dominate and run the football. I think they had a total of over 300 yards rushing in that game besides the big game that Journey Brown had. And it was pretty clear on those final couple of drives that they had that they were able to pull away and make a statement and come up with two key drives when they needed to when Memphis was starting to get on their heels and then simply wouldn't go away. So it wasn't the start that Penn State was looking for. I think kind of got caught sleeping a little bit. The one worry was the 11 a.m. start central time noon start here on the East Coast because, of course, that was what happened with the Minnesota game earlier this year. Penn State didn't start out too well, of course. That didn't end well, but this time... The defense able to finally wake up, make some plays in the second half, though still kind of struggle a little bit, giving up some big plays. Because Memphis, we knew going in, and Jack and Steve said it best on the on the tailgate show on Saturday, this Memphis team was not a finesse t- type of team where there are 12, a 10-12 play, t- a drive type of offense. They were a quick strike offense. Penn State needed to limit the big plays. They didn't do a very good job of that overall, but the offense still came up with points when they needed to. They come up with some big drives when they needed to the most in the second half and they were able to pull away. And another win for James Franklin in a big bowl game, and Penn State comes away Cotton Bowl champs. Now we'll see what goes on from here. Of course, we have our new offensive coordinator we'll be talking about later on this week with Frank Bodani of the York Daily Record, a Pennsylvania man himself, so the Penn State will be looking at fitting him in and, of course, uh, more recruiting signings coming in next month once we get into the month of January. So, But otherwise... Penn State finishing off with a good year. Another 11-win season. Three of the last four years that Penn State is able to finish off with 11 wins strong. So a good end for the Nittany Lions despite an up-and-down game down in Jerry's world. Now when it comes to college football overall in the playoffs, 
Joe Burrow, that was insane. Seven touchdowns all in the first half, which obviously broke a college football playoff record and an LSU record, too. Everybody knew LSU was probably going to win that game by a large margin, but no one expected the performance that we saw from Joe Burrow. At least not seven touchdown worth of performance. Maybe a big performance overall, like throwing three, four, maybe even five touchdowns, but not seven and not even in one half, nonetheless. That was amazing seeing the Heisman Trophy winner go out and probably number one overall pick in the NFL draft coming up, go out and just dominate the way he did. And that just wasn't even close. 28 points second quarter for LSU just to pull away, and that game wasn't even close. And when you look at Oklahoma's side of things, a lot of hype with Lincoln Riley this year. I tweeted this out on Saturday night. Lincoln Riley, to me, is the Sean McVay of college football. A lot of hype around him, not a whole lot of results. And I get this was a tough matchup for Oklahoma, but to still give up 63 points and the way all the offense that they did in that first half, that's embarrassing. That is absolutely embarrassing. And Oklahoma still finds out that they still have a long way to go in terms of where they want to get to next year. With And Jalen Hurts was a complete non-factor in this game, too. Did not throw the football very Hello, well at all. Uh, Hello, I'm Steve late. Jones. Yeah. I thought you were going to run the cotton ball montage, but that's yeah. all right. No, seriously, that's what we usually do here. Right. We always run a montage of the last game. All right. Um, but, yeah, huge weekend. How was it down in Jerry's world? How was it? Um, uh, the stadium is fabulous. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I think it creates a big league atmosphere. Uh for everybody. I think the fact that Penn State practiced there every day was really important, Matt, because it took away the awe of going in there. Oh, yeah. And, and playing, I think, so they got to practice. And, and Memphis got to practice there, too. So it's not, you know, they just split time. I think it's a brilliant way to do it, and you can do that because, A, the Cowboys practice facilities in Frisco. So, I mean, the Cowboys only go into that stadium when they play. And they took the week and they allowed them to do it. Now, the Rose Bowl, you can't, for example, do that, Matt, because I think the two teams in doing it would tear the field up. Oh, no question, yeah. that's That's a natural grass field. Also, the other part about the Rose Bowl is that that field, when they play the game, is the first time anybody has played a game on that field. You say, well, what does that mean? And this is what it means. They grow three separate fields, and then they pick the best one, and they put that field in about three to three and a half weeks before the Rose Bowl game. And that's the field that's used for the entire year. I actually didn't know that. Wow. This is why I'm on the show, man. (laughs) That's exactly right. Right. Uh, And... And sometimes it can create – and the problem Penn State had in the game with USC is that some parts of it came up because it was actually one of the colder Decembers that Southern California's had, so the field didn't quite settle in the way they needed it to. And they had a lot of rain. Remember, when Penn State played going into that, it was not only cold, it was in the 40s and 50s, which for that – you know, I'm talking about highs during the day, in the upper 30s at night, and it rained a lot three years ago and because it rained a lot in conjunction with it being colder it made a difference but they put that field in so the first time that that anybody plays on that field is actually the Rose Bowl game 
And then that's the field they use for the rest of the year, whether it's soccer, UCLA football, whatever it may be. Um, I know they, they've had a U2 concert there, but that's the field that's in, in there. And they do have, for example, Penn State did a walkthrough on the field. You're allowed to do a walkthrough on that field. But then they went, and when they did the full practice after the walkthrough, they had to go to a high school stadium to do that. You can practice every day there because it's field turf at AT&T Stadium. Okay. You can do that. Um, in Glendale at the Fiesta Bowl, you know the grass is – the only time the grass is in there is to play the game. The grass at in Glendale – what is what's the name of the stadium? Is it State uh, Farm University stadium? of Phoenix Stadium? I think it is now. I think it, I think it's State Farm Stadium. Oh, they changed it. Okay, I think it's State Farm Stadium now, which is where they played the other night. You know that field is actually outside all week, and then they hit a button, and you now they water it, grass, everything. You know, the, the sunshine, water, the whole thing. They hit a button, and the field rolls into the stadium. You're learning more about stadiums you ever knew in your life. I know. This is great. Uh, so they hit a button, and the field rolls in. Like this is really... And and where the buses park for the teams, that's where the field used to be during the week. So then they utilize that space for team and bus parking. And so you can't practice in there. Uh, Orange Bowl, which is tonight, can't practice in there. Now, the Superdome and the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in both, and it's each Mercedes-Benz Stadium, one's in Atlanta, one's in New Orleans. Uh, Both are indoors, and you could. But, see, I think it's great that they're allowed to practice in there the entire time because it's field turf, it doesn't matter. And, by the way, the field that they put in for the game is a field specifically for the game. You do, I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize like when the Cowboys played the Redskins yesterday, that would, they had to take time and take out the Cotton Bowl field and put the Cowboys field back in there. They changed the field over. They don't scrub lines. They changed the field completely. I mean, did you see any scrub lines out there for the game, hash marks? No, because that field was specific to the game. You are getting a real stadium education here. You were in shock. <laughs> you didn't know any of this, did you? I knew about the that they ruled that they rolled out the field at State Farm Stadium, but the rest of that I did not know. So this is a good quality education today to start off yeah. a new week. Yeah. All right, so now we got a lot to talk about here. I don't want to get into the NFL playoffs today at all because as the week goes, once we get to Thursday, Friday, Matt, we'll talk more about that because then at that point it's upon you. The Eagles got in. I think the Eagles are a threat despite all the injuries. Uh, I think they're a threat. I think they're a threat to beat Seattle. Agreed. Steelers didn't. The Steelers that didn't get in, and I know all of you guys out there love your duck suits and everything like that. But cut me a break, <laughs> okay? I, I'm not saying that that 
Devlin Hodges can't be a good NFL quarterback maybe someday in his lifetime because I'm not one of those never guys. Uh, I always leave a little bit of a fudge factor in there as to uh, whether somebody can develop or not. Because he's he's not, I mean, he's not completely out of it as a quarterback, but he's not a good NFL quarterback, right? Not... He's not awful, but he's not a good NFL quarterback. So the Steelers had down the stretch had no shot because they didn't have enough quarterback play to have a shot. Didn't. So we'll get into that later in the week. But we've got a lot to talk about with Penn State football. We've got a lot to talk about with college playoff expansion or not to expand. And some to talk about Penn State basketball, which is 21st today. They'll take on 23rd-ranked Iowa. Oh, by the way, 21st in the AP poll, which, oh, by the way, doesn't really matter in the committee room. I'll tell you what does matter is the net. Penn State is up one spot to 15 in the net today. 15, 1-5 in the net. Now you're going to hit the part of the schedule where you've got to get it done. They have done a great job in the opening month and a half of the season of getting themselves to this point where now they're going to be seriously looked at every single game. And Dick Girardi is right about Penn State basketball. Don't just have the goal of getting to the NCAA tournament, which is a huge goal. Well, you know what? The heck with it. Have the goal and win the Big Ten. Why not? Right? Look around the room. Do the Kurt Schilling thing. Why not us? Why not us? There are a lot of teams in the Big Ten that are good enough to win it. Penn State's one of them. But we have a lot to talk about. And look, we'll get to basketball here a little bit later in the broadcast. Because when you have a 110,000-seat stadium and you fill it, that means there's a lot of interest in Penn State football. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that, the Cotton Bowl, in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Power your holiday workshop with fast, reliable internet from SCCV free for two months. Offering speeds up to one gig, SCCV internet is the perfect fit for your entire family to shop, stream, share, game, and more all on your favorite devices, even with a full house. Plus, get free installation and modem rental when you sign up. SCCV internet free for two months. Call or visit sccv.com slash holiday. From floating in a saltwater tank to chowing down on some delicious pierogies, we've had some amazing experiences on In Your Neighborhood. 
The cool thing is that we've only scratched the surface of what the central Susquehanna Valley has to offer. So join us as we stop by interesting businesses and organizations or introduce you to one of our many talented residents each month on IYN on SECV8, exclusively on Service Electric Cable Vision Channels 8 and 508 HD. Everybody talks about the North Pole this time of the year, and it may be cold, but this house is colder. Turn the oven on. That only helps when you're in front of it, not for the whole house. Drink some cocoa. Enough. Honey, this year for Christmas, I'm getting us a new ductless Mitsubishi heating and cooling system, so we're warm in the winter and cool in the summer. I'm calling Tony now. Tony? Is he one of Santa's elves? Sort of. He's with TD Energy Experts. He will put us on their schedule to install our new system, and we will start saving money and energy right away. No more standing in front of the stove or dressing like I'm outside when I'm in the house. Hi, this is Tony from TD Energy Experts. Don't freeze through another winter or bake through another summer. Call me and let me show you a better, cleaner, and cheaper way to bring comfort to your home with a ductless Mitsubishi electric heating and cooling system. Call 570-258-8088 or online at tdenergyexperts.com. Landowners, it's time for special year-end savings on Mahindra tractors. Enjoy 0% interest or save thousands of dollars. Plus, your Mahindra dealer can show you how to get tax savings on rugged Mahindra tractors. So hurry into your Mahindra dealer. Save on Mahindra tractors at Hilly Ridge Sales and Service in Mount Pleasant Mills or hillyridge.com. 0% APL finance available for a limited time only. See us or go to mahindrausa.com for more information. I was telling Matt uh, during the break, he was asking about the trip, and I said, whenever we fly for football, we actually have the ability through DirecTV to watch games. But it turned out on the plane that we went down and back in, um, we had all sorts of diet. I freely admit I was sitting in a first-class seat. I had all these entertainment options. You name There was... um, uh, for example, I've seen the uh, the movie series uh, uh, Angel is uh, let's see, London has fallen. What what's it, what was the was it White House has fallen or London has fallen? And then it was Angel has fallen. Well, that's the latest in the series. I hadn't seen that one in the theater. So on the way down, I watched that movie. On the way back, I, you know, I. Uh, I was watching other movies on the way back. The reason I didn't watch the Peach Bowl uh, or the... uh, I saw the first quarter of the Peach Bowl in the the booth at AT AT&T Stadium. But the... um, In the Fiesta Bowl, I didn't see it. We didn't have live TV capability on the plane. So the only options I had were movies. So I watched movies, which... I had a good time. (laughs) It was fine. Then when I got to the bus at Harrisburg, I I slept uh, most of the way back from Harrisburg to State College on the bus because I had a game yesterday. So, but the trip, I've got a lot to talk about with the Cotton Bowl, and I've got a lot to talk about with the college football playoff and with expansion. So, uh. 16 Penn State football seniors were part of this game for the final time. Remember the, remember the, these guys when they committed, even the fourth-year players like 
Garrett Taylor, who scored a touchdown, Cam Brown. You know, they're four-year players. Steven Gonzalez, a five-year player, as examples. All of these guys committed before Penn State had won a Big Ten championship. They 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 were all part of, as active players, the Big Ten championship year as active players. So they all signed when Penn State was coming off seven-win seasons. They sit there, they go through 42 wins in four years. Wow. So I've got a lot to talk about the game, a lot to talk about the future, a lot to talk about the college football playoff, and some Penn State basketball talk. We're going to save the NFL playoff talk and coaching carousel to the end of the week. We're back going back. We may even talk on that tomorrow, too. Because Matt and I will be on tomorrow. So we'll probably get into some of the coaching carousel stuff. Matt's being considered for the uh, Carolina Panthers job. No? That was news to me. State College's Matt Rule, those being considered. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. All right, when it comes to a level of respect, uh, someone I have tremendous respect for, and yet when he takes heat, he's taken some, but you know what? That's because he was right and has good sources. For all young reporters out there, you don't single-source, you multi-source. I've just defined the quality of work of Brett McMurphy. Brett, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, Merry Christmas, and uh, hope you have a good Happy New Year as well. Yeah, so far so good. Uh, after uh, after announcing the Cotton Bowl on Saturday on the Penn State side, things are feeling pretty good. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I want to get to uh, the games on Saturday. There, obviously, we're after the Penn State game and the Ohio State Clemson game. It's been a lot made of calls and so forth in that game. What did you think of a the quality of the game, Brett? And what did you think about how the the role, if any, officiating played in it? Well, certainly from the Ohio State angle, you can say, you know, the touchdown should have counted on the on the fumble the return that was overturned. Um, you could even complain about the targeting call, although I believe the targeting call was the right call. I know you can, we can have a discussion on whether 
they need to change that rule or tweak that rule, I agree. But by the letter of the law, that was the correct call. But even with all that that happened, this is why Ohio State lost. They had four possessions deep in Clemson's territory in the first half. They kicked three field goals. They gave up in the second half. They gave up a 99-yard touchdown drive to Clemson. And with three minutes to go, they pinned Clemson on the six. Clemson needed all of four plays to go 94 yards. Then you still had a chance to win, but Justin Fields gets intercepted in the end zone. So, you know, obviously the game would have played out differently if the fumble return would have counted. But still, Ohio State has no one to blame for themselves. And it just, you know, instead of talking about, you know, the officiating, I think people are missing the bigger point. You know, you've you've got to, uh, you know, Clemson's <laughs> become a vampire at this point. You need a stake. <laughs> And you got to yes. drive it through their heart to knock off the defending champs. And they've won 29 in a row. And I don't think anybody's given them much chance against this LSU team, which will be playing a quasi-home game and what will be a crazy Superdome. Um, and you know what? <laughs> Sweeney would not uh, have it any other way. He's going to play up this underdog um, role to the tilt. And I, th- I think we're going to see a great game. But as far as the, the semifinals, you know, Ohio State could have won. Maybe they should have won. But they didn't make the plays defensively down the stretch, and then they had a chance to win it. And, and unfortunately, Fields threw his second interception of the game after only being picked one time the entire season. Well, in fact, that's going to be a point I'm going to make later in the show. But, you know, the point I made uh, on the Cotton Bowl game when I was working with Jack Ham, I said, look, we just watched Memphis, for example, kick six field goals. Well, as as we were told forever and ever, it takes three field goals to beat a touchdown. If you're not finishing <laughs> drives, you're not going to finish the game. Absolutely, and that you know, and I you know I don't know how much of that game you saw, but Dobbins broke broke off a long run in the first half, and it looks like he's gone for a touchdown, and and uh, you know Clemson guy you know taps his ankle and it knocks him down at the ten yard line, and they have to settle for a field goal. If, if he takes that to the house for a touchdown, maybe it is out of reach at that point. But, again, it's one of those little things that I know, you know, coaches preach this, you know, every single day. One play could decide the game. And I really think that uh, as much as people want to, you know, continually discuss these officiating calls, um, you know, that was one play there for Clemson where defense back doesn't give up or has the length of the field and is able to, to keep Dobbins from scoring, and then it ends up three instead of seven. And, hey, you know what? That, was, that ended up being the difference in the game. Uh, I'll get to the, the two calls in a moment, but uh, uh, did you know Trevor Lawrence was that quick? <laughs> no, I don't I don't think – well, I take that back. I don't say nobody did, but I, I talked to some of the players after the game. I talked to offensive coordinator Jeff Scott. And they're like, yeah, they see it, uh, they see it all the time. But um, you know, I, I know a lot of people before the game had said that they thought Lawrence was going to run a lot in this game, and certainly I don't think anybody envisioned he would run that much. Uh, he had never run for more than I think it was 66 yards in his career. Uh, he had that by the by the third quarter. He ends up rushing for over 100 yards. Um, but yeah, that was that was an incredible call by Clemson on that. And just an incredible individual effort by Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, he's just so so dang tall. And, you know, a lot of people were saying he looked like with the hair flow, and he looked like literally looked like a, thor- a thoroughbred. 
Um, but yeah, give a lot of credit to him and Clemson, and also for for Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott, especially on that that last touchdown game-winning touchdown drive we talked about. The final play on that touchdown was beautiful because Lawrence is in a shotgun and then starts up the middle like he's a run, and then stops and, and dumps it to Etn, who goes you know thirty something yards for for the game winner. But yeah, I mean, you know, LSU's defense, they're going to have their hands full against Lawrence because um, yeah. he was hit a lot. You know, they were able to keep Chase Young off of him for most of the game. Um, and I don't think LSU's defense is as strong as Ohio State. But I think Clemson will be able to put up some points. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they will put some points up. The question is whether they can slow down what LSU does. Uh, I, I want the, the targeting call, uh, I, I'm on the plane – Flying back from Dallas because I, I had to, I did the Cotton Bowl on Saturday, Brett, and then I had to come back. I had to do a, a Penn State basketball game yesterday at noon, so I'm flying back. So I didn't get a chance to see it live. So then I watched the, watched the uh, a tape of it. My first impressions of watching both calls, and I think I, and the replay got both calls right because Wade, you and I know that the the area of tackling is supposed to be between about the chest area and the thigh level. And he he's not even close to him. And Lawrence is not a small guy. He hit him helmet to helmet. That was, to me, the de- definition of the current definition, current, of targeting. Absolutely. And, again, the crown of the helmet, when you're on defense and you lower your head and you use your, your helmet, you know, as a weapon, if you will, you're going to get nailed for that every time. Now, you... Again, you know, we can we can discuss whether we like that rule or not, but that is the right. rule. You know, you yeah. may not like that the speed limit's 55, but if you drive over 55, you can get a ticket. So if you're going to drive 70 all the time, that's fine, but you're going to get caught. And the same is, you know, if when you lower your head and you make the contact, you're going to get called for that. And, again, I know a lot of people don't like the rule. I don't necessarily like it. I think they need to tweak it. I know a lot of people have suggested – you know, kind of two different levels, kind of an intentional targeting play, and then another one where it's just a bang bang, and it just happens. You know, again, now you're getting into judgment. I don't know how you designate what's what's um, intentional and what's not, but I agree. I thought it was the right call. Yeah, because uh, uh, look, did Sean Wade intentionally hit him with the helmet to helmet? No. Okay, he's trying. He's just trying to at full speed trying to hit him. But this was not – Lawrence didn't duck into it like some running backs or receivers do, right, which we can debate. Right. He was just upright, and this is not Kyler Murray. This is a tall quarterback, so Wade had to go up there with his helmet to get him. <laughs> hey, that to, to, So that to me, that, that's a, that, that to me was a non-factor, and I don't understand why in the current rule why anybody complains about it. If you're for Ohio State, I can see why, but if you're neutral, no. The other one was the fumble play. I just I kept looking at that, Brett, and I keep looking at it, and I keep thinking to myself, he sort of, sort of, sort of has his hands around it, but never. I never really felt like he totally had it. I I could I still look at this, but I could <laughs> I could argue either side of it. I, I can yeah, see people saying it. it was a catch, and I can see well, no, it wasn't a catch. The only thing that I've that I've seen any analysis on that, that I totally agree with this. You can't look at this thing in slow motion and make the call because you make anything slow motion and you can you can have it look like uh, it's got total control. I, so you, I'm you with you all the way. Speed. 
Yeah, yep, and, I'm, um, I'm with you all the again, way on this. That's not what caused the game. And then there's the there, and there's people that are saying, well, the, this is what ESPN wanted. The SEC refs were wanted the ACC to play, so both SEC and ACC would be in the game. And that's <laughs> just what ESPN wants. No, ESPN. No. If you put a gun to their head or gave them truth serum, they will. They wanted Ohio State LSU. That is a sure. better ratings game for them to have the Midwest United yep. States against the South as opposed to two teams from the South. But you know that ruins the conspiracy theory, so people that don't want to hear that. See, and that's why I like talking to you because you and I think the same way. <laughs> There's a logic to it. All right, now let's get to four versus eight. Uh, because that's always going to come up every year regardless of what the outcomes of the games happen to be. There are some that say when you see LSU blow out Oklahoma, that shows that four is the right number. There are others that would, would say, well, gee, Oklahoma actually would have been playing Oregon in a 4-5 matchup had it been eight. Now, we know the money potentially is greater with eight. What do you think after now seeing six years of this? Is, is it four or is potentially eight? possibly better well there definitely is some people that and people that matter that are that are kind of saying you know hey let's before we go ahead and coordinate the 18 playoff uh, you know in six years when the current 12 year deal is up let's just take a look at this a little bit closer on if we really want to do this because of how lopsided these games have been so obviously a one versus a is going to be as lopsided or as non-competitive. That's the one side. The other side is, and I've talked to a lot of people involved in college athletics who believe this, is whether it's it's not fair, and I don't think it's certainly good for the game, but the playoff has become the end-all, be-all. Perfect example, Penn State, great year goes the Cotton Bowl. Um, I'm here in Pasadena now, Wisconsin, playing in the Rose Bowl, but it's not the it's not the college football playoff. There are people who think that the playoff should be expanded because that's what it seems like the majority of people, not everybody, but the majority of people really resonate toward and have an interest in it. And so that's why, even though as non-competitive as these one verse fours are, there's a, a strong feeling that we need to get to eight. There's even some people that I've talked to who think, you know what, let's just go ahead and get to 16. Um, let's figure out a way to, to solve this and let's get to 16 and do it that way because there's so much emphasis put on the playoff. And, again, I don't like that. I don't agree with that. I think it diminishes, um, you know, conference championships. But mm-hmm. I think that's the way we're going. And, um, you know, I I don't want to say that the, the toothpaste is out of the tube as far as the eight-team playoff. But I think it's – I think if – you had to ask me, do I think it's going to happen or not? I'd say, you know, 80%, yes, we're going to have an 18 playoff. That's the good news. The bad news is you're going to have to wait six years. So uh, I just think the LSU-OU game was uh, an anomaly. I don't think we're going to see that every time, although we've had some lopsided games. Um, But I don't think a couple of blowouts are going to keep people from saying, oh, you know what, We we don't want an 18 playoff because, you know, if you ask Utah, if you ask Oregon, if you ask Penn State, if you ask Wisconsin, we're going to say, "Yeah, we want an 18 playoff." Sure. Because then we're uh, then we got a shot. Then, then there's another part of the theory: has the has the 14 playoff because the number of 
schools that have been in it. Uh, Clemson's been in it. Alabama a lot. Ohio State's not been in it three times. Has that now in recruiting created them as destination places to go? And if you expand, say, to eight, does that then open the door to an increase of the possibility of more talent being spread around because there are more potential destinations? You know, yes and no, but those, you know, all those schools are already, you know, those are already big name traditional powers anyway. They're already blue blue bloods, yeah. Yeah, and and also they can only sign 25 a year. Right. Um, So they can only get so many players. So that that all, um, you know, really I don't think has changed a lot. One thing, though, that kind of has changed along those lines, and and Dabo Sweeney talked about this uh, in Phoenix a few days ago, is that, you know, if you're, you know, we're probably in the same age bracket. So, you know, we look at Notre Dame and we think of Notre Dame back in the day of how they were and, you know, the great Nebraska teams and, you know, teams like that. If you're a kid now who's coming up and you're looking at schools where you've been, you look at Clemson and you're like, God, they've been in the playoffs five straight years. Alabama's been five of the six years. Clemson had a quarterback out of California that contacted them, had never been to Clemson, didn't know anything about it, but he knew that they were in the playoff every year. And they, they're like, yeah, we'll look into this kid. And they ended up signing the kid. And he could, you know, he could be the guy once Trevor Lawrence leaves. Um, yeah. And so I think that's one thing that's changed for these schools that have been to the playoff a lot. And yeah, if we open it to eight, then that'll, that'll open it up even more. But, um, you know, pe- people are like, well, it's an unfair you know, advantage for these schools. Look, they've they've had these advantages for a, for a lot of number of years. It should, this yeah. is just another example of why. And they also created their own advantages too. <laughs> you know, I mean, by getting there, they they by, you know they earned their way in. Yeah, so they they created their own advantage wanna, by getting there. You want to get rid of Clemson, then you then you knock them off. You, you want to get rid of Alabama, beat them. Somebody beat Alabama this year, so um, you know that's one way to stop it. Absolute pleasure as always, Brad. Thanks so much. Appreciate your insight and your hard work very much. Thanks. Have a great New Year. Happy New Year. Brett McMurphy joining us from Stadium. College Football Insider for Stadium.com. We will come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Thanks to Brett McMurphy from Stadium being on with us today, the College Football Insider, who's now at the Rose Bowl getting ready for Wisconsin and Oregon, which will be Wednesday at 5 o'clock. He was at the Ohio State-Clemson game on Saturday night. Tomorrow, Frank Bodani, York Daily Record, is going to join us. Uh, looking forward to talking to him, as always. Oh, man. It's... Uh, Got a lot to talk about with the uh, with the game, a lot to talk about, and uh, it was obviously in the end you get to a game like this. It was for Jack and me, and in fact, I was on the phone with Jack right before uh, right before uh, I started the show here, uh, and uh, we were talking about the various things. And a lot I'm going to get to in the next half hour. The college football playoff expansion, I think, number one, Brett's right. Uh, you're going to get um, – it'll happen, but it's not going to happen until this current contract's over with. But it will happen. I, I think it will. I think there's going to be too much demand 
were to not happen. And I think the part I brought up about the recruiting part of it is actually, I think it is a legitimate concern because look at the composition of the rosters that you have at um, at Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. They are not just there are not a lot of Alabama players from Montgomery, Mobile, and Birmingham. Their roster is a national roster. Yes, Tua Tunga Viola's parents live in Tuscaloosa, but they move there. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> they moved there after he uh, ended up going to uh, Alabama, and of course his brother's now there too. They're from Hawaii. Uh, Lawrence is from Georgia. Now it's close to Clemson, so it's not like it's not close to Clemson. It is. Um, I, I just uh, Justin Fields transferred in. Justin Fields, I think I believe he. You've got a lot of guys out there. I think Fields from Georgia. These are becoming destination places for people. Destination places to go to. And I think it's tilting it a bit. And I go back to when, for example, Tony Carr was drafted in the NBA. I said that was one of the biggest pluses for the Penn State basketball program. Why? Because now in recruiting, for example, you can't have someone say in the world of negative recruiting, well, you can't get to the NBA from Penn State when he got drafted. Can't do that. Arguments off the table. I think by expanding to eight, you can take that argument off the table for a lot of different programs and could may potentially spread some of the talent around. And Brett's right. The Notre Dame that we grew up with, because Brett and I are probably similar in age, right? That's not considered a, an option for most players now. They don't look at Notre Dame as Rockney and the Four Horsemen and and Joe Theismann and Terry Hanratty. That's I mean that's a myth. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.